Bullseye with Jesse Thorne is a production of MaximumFun.org and is distributed by NPR. I'm Jesse Thorne. It's Bullseye. Max O'Cream, my guest, is a rapper. He's a big, friendly guy. When you talk to him, he keeps the mood light. If you're a fan, you want a selfie with him, it's no sweat. You might even crack a little joke. But that isn't always how his records sound. He's a big, friendly guy, but that's not all he is. I got homies in the grave. I got brothers in the pen. I got some that's coming home. I got some that's going in. Try to go to visitation, but they wouldn't let me in. So I only conversation, writing letters with a pen. Wanna see just how you Max O'Cream has been in and out of jail, along with many other members of his family. When Hurricane Harvey hit Houston a few years ago, many of them lost their homes. He's also lost friends and relatives to gun violence, including his brother, just last year. In other words, Max O'Cream has endured an extraordinary amount of pain. And he's not afraid to put that pain on wax. People often compare him to his Houston forebearer, Scarface, another MC with a gift for elegant, almost beautiful verses about life's most intense and difficult moments. Maxo's new album is called Weight of the World, and it's about big stuff. He raps about losing his brother and grandmother and about becoming a parent. But like Maxo, it isn't all big moments and tears. It's a rap record. He also talks a lot of mess. Here's a single from the new album called Big Persona, featuring Tyler, the creator. It's Mr. Maxo, Biggie Papa, who you know that do it better. I'm the Trapper, Rock Obama, Betty Crocker used to peddle. Mixing drugs, buddy, love nerdy professor with Gazelda. Pockets Kim and Nicky Park. I make more money than professor. I'm getting cake, eight figures, no more section eight. Move mama out the hood, we ain't good, but we doing great. Big mansion, new estate, friendly neighbors. Maxo Cream, welcome to Bullseye. Congratulations on this great record. Appreciate it, appreciate it. First of all, I want to honor the fact that you're in our studio, which does not have air conditioning, (laughs) is probably 25 square feet, something like that. And you have on a puffer that looks like you're ready to take on the Antarctic. (laughs) Yeah, I got the yellow mon clear on. (laughs) Shit show. Fashion statement. But I don't know. Like, to me, this freezing out here. Like, anything like 55, 60 degrees, I could throw on a jacket. You know, I'm from Houston, bro. We be doing, dealing with triple digits, 111, 110, goddamn, for like 70% of the year. So anytime I get a, like a little, if like I feel like a breeze, I'm throwing the f- jacket. Plus, you got a refrigerator on your neck right there. It's plenty of ice. Yeah, Alyssa. <laughs> the most jewelry that's ever been in here, probably more than more than even, uh, I don't know, Greta Gerwig. Oh, word. <laughs> who's, who's bringing the heavy jewelry? John Waters. Well, I'm I'm glad to have you here. You mentioned you're from Houston. What part of Houston did you grow up in? Um, the Southwest Side, A Leaf. I know that your circumstances changed when you were a, a teenager. Tell me about the the kind of places that you were and how how they changed. Um, it really changed like as soon as I hit like 11. You know, I grew up you know Southwest Side. You know what I'm saying? It was the hood, but my daddy never let us feel that. You know what I'm saying? He always was getting money. Legal troubles caught up with him. 
it put it, it like put me in a situation like, all right, now he ain't here. So I'm starting to bump, bump my head, see things for myself. But when he got back out, you know what I'm saying? He came, ran his money up, he moved us out again. But when he moved us out again, he went to jail. So I came right back. So I've been bouncing, like, you know what I'm saying, back and forth between like the Southwest side and Fort Bend, like my whole life. So how many siblings do you have? Um, I got three brothers and one sister. And so was everybody in the house together? Your folks were together and Um, for the most part. My older brother though, he ten years older than me. And like the rest of my siblings, we like two years apart. So like when like when my old man went to jail, he was already in jail. So hell yeah. So I'm really the second oldest, but I ended up being the oldest because he was always locked up. What did you know about your brother going to jail when your brother went to jail, your older brother? Man, I thought he was supposed to go play football, like, but running with the wrong crowd. Wrong I didn't really get how mama I'm like, how you running with the wrong crowd? You know, we in the neighborhood, we chilling like, but as you get older, you peep your environment and see what the going on, like you get to see that. And plus, like, we got different fathers. Like my older brother, like, his dad different than like my dad. How old was he and how old were you? Um, we ten years apart. He born in nineteen eighty, I'm born in nineteen ninety. So uh, he like forty one, I'm thirty one. And so, um, were you you must have been pretty little when he when he went to jail. Yeah, hell yeah. I like ten. Eight when he got arrested, ten when he went to go do eight. He came back when like when like I was fifteen. What did you know about why he went in? See, one thing about black families, especially my mama. They gonna lie to you if you're a kid. I ain't gonna just say like they gonna lie to you, but it's best to stay in like a child's place. You don't really get in the grown folk business. But me being like one of the oldest, I used to hear everything, just putting two and two together. They ain't never wants to see that side. Like my mom used to tell me in line, tell people that my brother in college. So like I see my friend at school, like my cousin, he like, hey, yeah, so your brother at? I gotta make up a whole lot. Yeah, he's in college playing football, but they already know he in jail. You feel me? Yeah. How far was he in jail from where you lived? Three hours. Did you go visit him? Hell yeah. My mom used to take us on Sunday. We, you got to get a whole bunch of quarters. So like, because, all right, so if like one of your family members, like blood, like immediate family, go to jail, you get contact visit. We go see him, touch him, hug him, like that. So mom used to go get hella quarters and play her Yolanda Adams on a three-hour ride to go visit him and like that. What were the quarters for? Food, you know, like they got commissary in the so visitation. They got like vending machines, sneakers, soda. They can't just grab all the time. One of the reasons that I ask you so much about your childhood is you write so beautifully about it um, on your records. Do you find it difficult to think about the painful stuff that you went through as a kid that you describe so kind of you you describe so much of it so kind of plainly and clearly, right? In your verses. I mean, it ain't really pain. I mean, to other people looking, because I grew up in it. So, like, now nah, I'm just looking back on my life. Just, like, you'll look back on your life. You could talk about it. You probably got some shit just traumatizing other people. But to you, like, well, I went through it. It was my life. That's all it is. Like, people just be curious. Like, I make relatable music at the same time. But at the same time, I could tell you, like, like, just for instance, you jam my tape. You probably ain't live how I live. And so, like, it's probably interesting. Like, you know what I'm saying? It's catching, but at the same time, I got situations that's relatable. You feel me? To everybody, and I feel like that's the main goal. The thing that surprised me reading interviews that you did about music, talking about music when you were a kid and what influenced you, is every single, every sing, every single interviewer goes to you and says, they want, basically says, please talk to me about Scarface. Please talk to me about Screwed Up Click. 
please talk to me about, you know, like they just have this expectation that that's what you're going to say because you're from Houston and because, you know, I mean, because you have a, you know, a, a deep, slow rap style, you know what I mean? Like, and like, I don't have, I can't even begin to say anything bad about any of those people that I just listened to. Some of the greatest of all time, you know, my, my favorite rapper of all time is Devin the Dude. He's from Houston. Devin the Dude live. But when I hear you talk about who influenced you, I read somewhere you were talking about Papoose. Facts. You were talking about Lil B. Mm -hmm. So you got like Cassidy and Papoose, East Coast mixtape rappers, like super rap and rapper rappers, like in a street mode, not an underground mode, uh, you know, not like a a backpack mode, but like like super rappers. Um, And then (laughs) Lil B is from the Bay where I'm from. He's from Berkeley. Right. And, you know, Lil B changed the game by just rapping about whatever came into his head and being chill and cool. (laughs) (laughs) You know what I mean? I think that's about as good as a description as I'm going to be able to give of what Lil (laughs) B's thing is. But um, those are completely, first of all, they're completely different from each other, but they're certainly completely different from the expectations that people have of you being from Houston. Right. They come from the internet. Like, bro, if, like, the internet period would have never happened, I'd probably just be naming Houston rappers. But the internet, um, I stole an iPod that had all that shit on there. So I was jamming that Them Just love for music. Like, it switched, like, that whole time. Like, I was in the real time period where we was in tall tees, bathing in baggy clothes, and with the skinny jeans, purple jeans, turquoise. Like, like you feel me? And, like, around that time in high school transition, I'm in the suburbs. I'm getting on the I'm um learning about the pack, Kid Cudi. That's the whole, I mean, like, era. I went from Wayne, Jeezy, Gucci to that kind of music. You know what I'm saying? Just experimenting, just. Just your pants just got much tighter in a short period Man, of time. Man, it was crazy. Did you it have your crazy. Vans on? They look Vans. like sneakers. I had Vans, but I'm a sneakerhead, though. I had all that. I was a kid. Like, I was on all that. I was very materialistic. I ain't scared to say it. Like, you know what I'm saying? I love fashion. I'm in the fashion hard, so yeah, I had all that. But yeah, my music shot is like real music. But I said my introduction was when like like when I went out on my own discovering, like 50 Cent. 50 Cent, I say, yeah, get Richard I trying from there. Then the game. Then like Pat Poos, Cassidy, Dipset, Wayne, that whole like little era of good music. Then um I had to branch off and go dig into Hove, dig into Nas, you know what I'm saying? I love Nas' music, his lyrical ability. I love how Hove tells stories. And, like, Nas going to give you everything, paint the picture. No shortcut. Jay-Z going to give you this. Like, he going to serve you a good steak, but he going to cut the fat off for you and serve it to you. That's how I look at they type music. But, yeah, man, I love music. I ain't going to lie to you. I don't think anybody has ever come on this show before. And I've been doing this 20 years now. Um, I don't think anybody's ever come on this show and said, like, well, I was really influenced by this great iPod that I stole. <laughs> a whole gang go, that was crazy. I didn't even take them. My little brother and them had took them. They broke into the um, principal office, stole iPods, razor phones, sidekicks. This was before iPhones. Like the it ones was, that had been confiscated by the— had, Yes, the ones, for sure. Then they did it with score bandanas. Remember, like, that's when, like— well, before everybody went snapback, it was a little time period where it was for baggy clothes, like air hearted true religion to that. 
I never did the Ed Hardy True Religion. I went straight from baggy clothes to skinny jeans and stuff like that. But they had like the Mohawks and like the score bananas. They broke into the principal office, stole our pies and all that. Brought it home. Then they like bring everything back. We didn't bring everything back. You know how it go. Even more with Maxo Cream after the break. Stay with us. It's Bullseye from MaximumFun.org and NPR. Support for NPR comes from Discover with a message about rewards. If you're a loyal credit card customer, you should be rewarded for your loyalty, preferably with something that's useful, like cashback match, for instance. Discover matches all the cashback you've earned at the end of your first year. Finally, rewards that make sense. Discover, exceptionally common sense. Learn more at discover.com match. Limitations apply. Welcome back to Bullseye. I'm Jesse Thorne. I'm talking with Max O'Cream. He's a rapper from Houston. On his new album, Weight of the World, he collaborates with ASAP Rocky, Tyler the Creator, Freddie Gibbs, and more. You can purchase or stream the album now. Let's get back into our conversation. When did you decide that rap was something that was worth doing, as you said, uh, like someone else would go to college? Um... When I was supposed to start seriously rapping at 18, I was in the streets beefing, like going to parties, shutting shutting down parties, beefing with other cliques, beefing with other dudes in the age. And I look up, I'm 21 years old. I'm like, damn, I just wasted three years. When you were that age, were you in the system? Were you getting arrested? Or I was in jail. <laughs> I was in jail looking like, damn. I got arrested uh, two years before that, like, pistol case. I was like 18, 17, something like that. Then I look up, I'm on probation. I'm violating my probation. Like, you know what I'm saying? So they had me. I think I was in there like six months. Not no long time. I don't do like, I ain't never been in TDC prison. I ain't never done no year or nothing. But that six months got my got my right. I ain't going to lie to you. And I got out. First thing I did was went to South by Southwest. And as soon as we got back to Houston after South by Southwest, the 2011, I shot a video. So were you already recording by the time you, or you must have been if you're headed out to South by Southwest and the music festival in Austin? We were going looking for females. We were going to get, like, it's spring break. We were going to get turned. We didn't want to go to South Padre. We want to do something else. Everybody wasn't going to South by like that. It's back when you could walk up and see a Kendrick Lamar show and just walk right in. Like, back when it was real intimate. You feel me? Then over the years, it built up, built up. It became too lit. Everybody was going. But, yeah, I, I had music, but I wasn't serious. South by Southwest made me get serious. What about it? Um, I see how people was networking their music. I was printing up CDs, passing them out. You could walk up on two dope boys, ear milk. You could walk up on the AR at Atlantic. It's right there. Like we don't got media like that. Like, well, we downtown or what? We like in LA right now. You could pull up on Capitol, Sony RCA, you could do all that. You can't do that in Houston. Ain't no major distribution, no no media for real. Stuff like say cheese. By the time you got to South by Southwest, you're 20 or 21 years old. Facts. Yeah. So by then, was your idea I'm gonna I'm gonna get signed to Rock Nation or whatever, or was your idea, you know, I'm gonna build something here at home? It was more like, man, I'm having my way anyways, bro. I'm independent. I'm underground. I was trapping, like you know, what I'm saying I, that's in the past now. But yeah, I was trapping, having my way. I had my own money. By the time I was 21, I had more money than every probably in the city that was 21. So I wasn't really tripping. I wasn't looking for like no deal or nothing like that. 
It wasn't until 2016 when I caught the RICO case for the, they say, organized crime, money laundry, um, manufacturing 2,000 pounds a bit of marijuana and like that, which is legal in 70% of the country. I don't know why they was on our case like that. You feel me? But, yeah, that, that's what really had me like, okay, like, when the police come and take 500K from you, take change, jewelry, your cars, or everything that you bought, it's like, dang, like, Okay, maybe I need to get right, get all the way legal, sign a deal. You know what I'm saying? So, yeah, they really forced my hand. Like, the police been at, bro, they been not liking me for a minute. They never liked the fact that I was rapping just because, like, my name and, like, where I'm from and, like, how much influence I got over the city of A-Leaf, even though I moved out. Like, you feel me? You know how I be with the rappers and shit. Like, I remember after that, I had went to the South by Southwest. I dropped the tape. I got big. I went on tour with Chief Keith, 2012. Was it 2013, 2012? One of those. And then for the Houston show, I killed the um Austin show. We killed the Dallas show for the Houston show. Then let me perform. They said that I was exciting gang rides. So, yeah, they always had it out for me. So, and then after I took that um, loss to Rico, then that's all, all right, you know, I'm going to sign the Sony RCA. But even that wasn't, I caught the case in 2016. I ain't signed to like. 2018 and Rock Nation, I'm not signing them a, like re, like recording like that's management. You feel me? Is that are those charges still pending? Are you still under those charges? Nah, I just got those charges settled like three months ago. Yeah, they were trying to at first they're like five to ninety nine, then like eight years, four years, and like four years probation. Then they dropped it down two years probation. Then they're like misdemeanor. Once I heard misdemeanor, not felony, I'm like, okay, now we could talk. You know, I could take a probation. I said I beat it, but me taking, I got a year probation. Like, you feel me? But to me, that's beating it. A year probation ain't shit. I'm a grown man. I'm legal. I ain't doing nothing wrong. I'm not going to get in trouble. You feel me? So I feel like that was a blessing in disguise. What was it like to be out in the world, you know, touring, recording, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, and know that you have this thing over you that could change your life completely, right? Like, right. You, you you know, I'm sure you had lawyers working on it and reassuring you For and sure. so Shout forth. Shout out Ken but, Schaefer, the best lawyer in Texas. But like, I'm sure that whole, that's four or five years that you knew that if things went wrong there, you might end up in jail for real. Man, I knew I was going to be good. Like I said, I got Ken Schaefer, one of the top lawyers, you know what I'm saying? He worked on Jay Prince case, you know what I'm saying? He helped Jay Prince beat his case. He worked on the El Chapo case, you know what I'm saying? Real power attorney, so I knew I was in good hands. And then, like, that's how they did it. I was on tour with Danny Brown, and they came to it. So, look, boom. I think it was 2012, 2013. I told you about Chief Keith. They let me perform. Then um, I'm on tour with um, Danny Brown. They planned to come arrest me while I was on stage. But I performed it after I had went to the bus, and they grabbed me. But, yeah, they've been trying to, like, shut me down. Like, that's been a, like their goal is to mess up your money, everything you got going. Like, you know what I'm saying? To really try to bring you down. How do the people, um, like, in your family feel about what you write about them? Because you write, <laughs> you write, you know, like, memoirists come on nah, this show, thanks. and there's always this question, when is it my story and when is it their story, right? Right, right, right. And you write really specifically about lots of people in your family. Facts. Um, so do you talk to them about it my before dad, or after? My dad, every time, he'd be like, okay, son, I feel what you're doing. Well, look, they's always like, so I grew up like, you know what I'm saying? Not to tell my family business. It's one thing. You ain't supposed to tell it. But I feel like we older now. We grown. Like, it's my life. 
So I'm going to speak on it. You know what I'm saying? Like, and then it's real. It's authentic. You know what I'm saying? But my mama don't like it. She don't like the um, Mama Purse song because I brought up like her past. You know what I'm saying? My dad, he love and hate because he loved Brandon Banks. He just don't like me talking about the situation. And like, but I'm a, I told him I'm going to forever talk about it. <laughs> like, I'm going to do me. I don't care how nobody feels my story. Like, I don't really be into that because like I, I take care of my family. I get back to my family. I do for my family. You know what I'm saying? I'm the first male to have a legal job. Anything y'all talking about, I'm really not trying to hear. I want to play a little bit of a song from your album from 2018, Pumpkin. Mm-hmm. Um, and this song is called Grannies. Can't live on without it. Come from where you see a lot of bodies, but don't talk about it. Hard to find a plug. I middleman that package. Uncle Simon, hookers, strippers, crackers, robbers, trappers, all in public housing. Uncle Bo was stealing from my granny. Can't leave the around here. Roaches, rats, and hands inside my pantry. Can't leave food around here. Auntie Trish was sleep. I stole her car and went out serving, robbing, grinding with my family through the struggle. Hold them down regardless. My uncle Bo, my granny, youngest son, he always doing extra moving for the summer. He was tired of living in the shelter Up all night and sleep all day You never know I mean, it's a list Right <laughs> You know what I mean? <laughs> no cap It's a list Like, you get a call from an uncle You get a call from a cousin They be jamming it My cousin Pooh Free him He got out He had went back But yeah, like Like, he love it He loved I'm telling his story Telling the truth Everybody know the truth Like, the family know like, you know what I'm saying? Like, especially like with our film, they like to patch up and cover up in front. Like, even there was a time like when we had moved out, we was in the suburbs, but my dad had went back to jail. We couldn't afford the house. We in like a 500K neighborhood, and we don't we don't people getting eviction, like getting eviction notice on the door. The constable pulling up trying to kick us out. Like, but my mama just don't want, at first, I thought she was just always trying to uphold herself to something she can't afford to look a certain way, but I get it. She'll do whatever to keep us in that house, even she can't afford it because she didn't want us to go back. Like, you really don't understand what your parents go through until you become a parent. Tell me about how you write when you write. Play the beat. I rap for a little bit. Stop. Think about some other rap. Stop. I just feel like writing it down take away the emotion. And, like, and like I can have something in my, like in my head. I can see it how I want to. If Like, if I'm writing, it might not come out the same when I come back to read it. And like writing just made me feel like I was in school. I don't I ain't really big on subordination and having something over me telling me what to do. You feel me? Now, in music, like I know it's an A&R, this and that. I could work with that because I felt like we were working as a team. But I just be feeling like in school, like for instance, bro, like I couldn't have no professor that don't make more money than me telling me about some trying to point their finger and tell me what I should do with my life. I don't like that. So and I feel like writing take me back to that school. I never got along with teachers. Like, from first grade, bro, this is how I know. Like, I used to go to school in first grade. Teachers asked me, like, what do your dad do for a living? What does your mom do? My mom was a housewife. My dad, I ain't know what he did. So my mom used to always say, tell him that your dad owns an uh, ambulance company. Because I used to come to school fresh every day. Jordans, Tommy Hilfiger, Polo, all that. You know what I'm saying? All the way through high school. So teachers always looked at me funny. Even when my dad went to jail and I ain't had that no more, he was a hustler. So I was a hustler. I was getting money. Making my money in the teachers, putting up in different whips, saying like that. So it is something like with subordination, that and writing, just take me back to school. So I like, man, yeah, I'm not gonna do that. I'm just gonna spit everything from the heart. I'm gonna play another song from your 2018 album, Pumpkin. Uh, this one is called Roaches. Uh-huh. 
I was up in Vegas at the May with a party. Then my mama called me by Hurricane Harvey. Say the house got flooded, water covered up the sofa. Impala Range Rover, she need me to come over. Knowing it's over, it was f***ing up my night. Like they gon' be alright. Tomorrow book a fight. Woke up 40 minutes, call, she was calling all night. Said there's no more for the license, she been fighting for her life. Told Toby, book the plane. It's a terrifying situation you describe on that song. To be away from your family and know that they're in very real danger. What do you remember about that? Oh, everything that's in the song. I remember her calling me. I remember being in Vegas. You know what I'm saying? Talking about it's going to flood. I remember Hurricane Katrina, but that was more like New Orleans. It didn't really flood in Houston like that. I ain't no Harvey's going to be like that. It was just crazy. Traumatizing. Losing cars, whips, cribs. Then it made me realize ain't nothing more important than family. Everything else is materialistic, bro. Like I said, I was way materialistic, but like losing your family is way worse than losing any piece of clothing, a car, or anything like that. You feel me? That was my biggest fear. For sure. My dad got heart problems. He on the roof. Like you can't be in the house because the light's still on, but it's flooded up to your knees. I mean, all the sockets is full of water. That's deadly. You feel me? How did you get back? On the plane, it was delayed for like a couple of days, and I had came back. But they was good by then. Like, by the time I came back, they was good. Then, like, she wasn't even in the hood. Like, she was in the good part. Like, like Hurricane Harvey messed up the city. Banged the city up for sure. Were you able to stay in contact with them or have people check up on them when they were... Out yeah. of the house, but not yet out of the house, so to speak? Yeah, for sure. We stayed on the phone, stayed in contact. Um, They had, like, rescue teams and rescue people out there. I was connecting them, you know what I'm saying? A group of my fans helped my mama clean out the house and stuff like that. Like, it was a lot of love, a lot of H-Town love. Really brought the city together, for sure. It's a scary situation to see, you know, the pieces of your parents' life washed you know what Thanks. I mean? Like your parents are there, but you're like, well, I don't know. There goes my Masters of the Universe. You're a little too young to have had Masters of the Universe, probably Power Rangers or something. Yeah, I don't know. I was about to say, what's Masters of the Universe? I'm like, hold on, Masters. That's he, man. Oh, he, yeah. Facts. <laughs> it was cool, though. Like, one thing about my mama, she kept a lot of stuff. She had set it on the bed. We didn't lose too much. Just the cars I bought them. What was the toughest part about it? Um, cleaning up, <laughs> to be honest, bro. Like, my family, once everything good, we get happy, we tighten it, we laugh, joke. But, yeah, they cleaning up. Shout out to all the fans that pulled up to help us recover the house. It was crazy because it was already fans. Well, I ain't going to say fans. It was like a little rescue crew there. They cleaning up. And then they look in the garage. They seen a box, one of my South by Southwest boxes, full of CDs. They're like, holy dude, is this Maxo Cream House? This Maxo Cream mother taking pictures, autographing, but see, I think got tricky. Because you know how fans get, bro. They probably got to start trying to take extra shit. Like, no way. I got Maxo shoe from fifth grade. Or like something weird, but was nobody worried about that for real, man. Just make sure my people good and we good. We'll finish up with Maxo Cream in just a minute. Don't go anywhere. It's Bullseye from MaximumFun.org and NPR. Support for this podcast and the following message come from Airbnb. 
If you've ever thought about hosting, you might have a few questions. What's it like? Where do I store my stuff? Is hosting worth it? Now, with Ask a Superhost, you can get free one-on-one help from Airbnb's most experienced hosts. Whether you're curious how to get started or just wondering if it's right for you, you can now ask someone who's already hosting. Learn more at airbnb.com slash askasuperhost. Look, it's a rough world out there, especially lately. I get it. So let's take care of our minds as best we can. I'm John Moe, host of Depression Mode with John Moe. Every week, I talk with comedians, actors, writers, musicians, doctors, therapists, and everyday folks about the obstacles that our world and our brains throw in front of us. Depression, anxiety, traumatic stress, all those mental health challenges that are way more common and more treatable than you might think. The first time I went to therapy, I was so ashamed, and I was like, I can't believe I gotta go into therapy. Like, I thought I could be a man, and Humphrey Bogart was never in therapy. And then my dad said, yeah, but he smoked a carton of cigarettes a day. Give your mind a break, give yourself a break, and join me for Depression Mode with John Moe. Welcome back to Bullseye. I'm Jesse Thorne. If you're just joining us, my guest is Max O'Cream. He's a critically acclaimed rapper from Houston who just put out the new album, Weight of the World. In it, he talks about losing his brother to gun violence, his grandmother to COVID-19, and about becoming a new parent. You can buy or stream it now. Let's get back into our conversation. Your brother was killed right before the pandemic, right? For sure, on March 9th, 2020. How did you hear about it? My homies that was there with him called me. They called out the first person. I had to call my mama. Hey, yo. Were you in town? I was in Houston. He was in L.A. Where were you when you had to call? I was at my um, girlfriend. Well, my baby mama now, but my girlfriend house asleep, chilling. He called me. Was it a surprise to you? Yeah, hell yeah. Surprise. Like, you never know when's your last day, bro, waking up. Think about that. You never know. So, hell yeah, I was surprised. I'm like, damn, really caught me off guard. I was supposed to come, but I ain't come because he wasn't trying to grab no hotel room. He wasn't trying to grab, like, run a car to move around. I pay for my safety. That's one thing. Like, you know what I'm saying? But I ain't think nothing nothing about it. He done took this trip a million times. Felt like he going to walk, fly here, grab what he need or whatever, come back. That wasn't the situation, though. What was it like to call your mom? The call, it was hard. But at the candlelight, looking her in the eyes, like, that was the most traumatizing, most f***ed up. I feel like that's the most f***ed up thing you could do to a person. Having a little brother die, especially the little brother that was cool, the good one. I was the one with all the seeing the drama in the game, I'm with all the stuff, the game banging, the drama, all that. And I feel like, dang. You know what I'm saying? I feel like, if anything, the karma should have been on me, not him. I, I, like, I really felt like that. So for me to be standing there looking at her, telling her that, I kind of feel selfish. It's like, like in a way, even though it's not my fault. Yeah, I think, though, it's like, okay, cool. He's still trapping. I'm the rapper. I got the money. I'm doing this. I'm doing that. You know how the family look at you like the kids, like you a king. You doing this and that. And he over here, like, you know what I'm saying? I ain't going to say struggling, but his lifestyle, I, she would just sit up differently. You know what I'm saying? And for him to go like that, it's crazy. I mean, one of the things that I imagine, and you can tell me if I'm completely wrong, 
is that you might have felt like you had, you know, you had changed things. Like you were in a different part of your life where stuff like that doesn't happen the way it used to. Facts. I feel like we just so above the curve, but I don't be right. I never spoke on this. But he was moving sloppy too. My brother, like, we got to take accountability. For sure he was moving sloppy. Like, that's why I ain't go with him. He was moving too sloppy, being too cheap. Like, you can't be cheap on your safety. Especially when you in that kind of market that deal. And, like, that's another thing, too. Like, death is real sensitive. But people don't like to use a f- freaking head. You know what I'm saying? When it comes to stuff, like, dude, if you know you're doing that kind of stuff, like, you don't eat where you You got to mix it up. Move different. And I preached to him about it, but he was hard-headed. It is what it is, though. You live, you learn. You know what I'm saying? I'm still here for him. I'm putting on for him every day. Persona money game for persona do. I mean, for persona money do. And he gonna ever live forever through me, for sure. Well, let's hear a little bit of the record that you wrote about him um, and his passing. This song is called uh, Trips. Trips from your new, for sure. from your new album. Taking trips to California, frequent flying with United. OG buying how you end up buying. That my brother try to run off with his stuff. They try to take your pounds, you chase them down and that up. Right jab, uppercut, he hit the ground, then y'all start to scuff. On his neck, he felt you was a threat, he had to tuck. Pocket, he just bought it, but ain't use it yet. My brother should've wore a vest. He should've grabbed a pipe before he chased him out the house. Instead, he fighting for his life. And he bleeding out the mouth. Ran up the stairs, two flights. They collapsed in front of the house. Slammed the door and woke up Ike, who was sleeping on the couch. But dude was screaming out, they shot me, laying in a bloody puddle. Tried to rob me, then they popped me. Got me for my bundles. You know, playing that record into our headphones, because uh, we played it live, one of the things that I thought of was like, you know, it's one thing to write a record like that or record it, um, but you know, it's your album, so like, you have to like approve the mastering, and you know what right, I mean. Right, like, right, right. you have to live with it. Facts. I wrote that song like two days after it happened, and I never went back <laughs> to listen to it. Like, I was on the way here, and the song came on. I changed it for sure, for sure. It's a great song. I could jam it. I could perform it. It's just like, it, it, like it's so traumatic. You feel me? Like, I don't be wanting to hear that. Even to write that song, I wasn't in my right state. I ain't gonna say right state of mind, but I was on the Adderall. Then I feel like when I go on the Adderall, I can go get my emotions out without showing the emotion. I could show it through the mic. So I, I wouldn't be able to write that song without shedding a tear or without, like, you feel me? Type, like, it's a deep song, for sure. Have you been able to express those feelings for yourself? What you mean, like, grieve? Yeah. I don't know. I fly. I, I grieve with turning up. Like, bro, wanted to see me on my shit. like. I want cop the Lambo Chuck. Like, you know, I'm, like the material things. Like, it's crazy. Like, all how all this wrap around. Like, how I had all the material as a kid. As I got older, like, it's kind of like a crackhead smoking crack. You trying to chase that first high. So it was like whenever I get like that. I mean, I shop twenty four seven, but retail therapy is like trying to help me get over it. You feel me? And that's what I talk about in Mama's Purse on the new album. Like, you know what I'm saying? Like, they put my brother in the dirt and he just gave his daughter a breath look at her face and see it. I heard about her. And I bought a necklace, a diamond necklace, a new a new Lexus in the Balenciaga purse. 
I was trying to buy her love, but I only made it worse. You feel me? Like the material stuff don't really. I mean, you're telling me that you're doing it. You're also telling me that it doesn't work. Yeah, but I'm doing it, though. Keep my mind off of it. I try not to think like, you don't see me posting my brother all day. It hurt too much. You might see me post some homies. I was real close, but I feel like it's different. I lost a lot of homies. I grew. I was in the streets. Lost a lot of homies, but it's different when it hit home like that. Like, I trust my brother more than my mom and my daddy. Like, that was number one person. Like, you feel me? So, it really, like, it hit me different. But, yeah, it made me turn up, though. Like, just get on my boss. Like, like to be a boss. Like, I really got into, like, you know what I'm saying? Like, credit. Shot my credit score up. Um, Started looking for properties. Renting is dumb as heck. When, like, I got all these jewelry on, I could have bought how many properties? Like, it just really opened my eyes. And, like, I'm not as scared to say it. Like, one thing about me, I'm a great listener, a great follower, because I'm a great leader. So, just getting right. Like, really make generational wealth. Not just rap rich. We got on the jury and all this and that. It looked good. But, like, you know what I'm saying? It really had, like, generational wealth. And I feel like that's not even, like, you don't even come with your money. You come with your mindset. Because your mindset, you're going to set everything up accordingly to get that. Do you? Ha- I know you're faithful do you have somebody to talk about a pastor or therapist or my fans this album i don't trust no damn therapist i I need to go see one it's just like nah i can't open up everything as a matter of fact on my deluxe that i got coming i got a line like how my mama said i need to go talk to a therapist and then like my reply back is like man ain't nothing like, like, basically, ain't nothing that white man that could tell me to get over what I got going. It's one of my lines. There are therapists that aren't white. Yeah, I know. <laughs> Look, I'm not trying to tell you how to live your life, Max. So I'm just nah, saying fact, I got fact, a fact. lot out of it. <laughs> Facts. I mean, I'm man, making these tapes my therapy, putting out this music, the feedback I get. Because, like, man, like, this your first time meeting me, but, like, I give you so much in these albums that, like, you get a glimpse. You get an idea for sure. And that's why, like, when you had a question, like, that's why they come out like that. So I try to, like, you know what I'm saying? Put, like, I don't got no diary, but this tape is. You feel me? I just try to put it all into the music. Well, Max, I sure appreciate you taking all this time to be on Bullseye. It was really nice to get to talk to you. For sure. Appreciate the love. Maxo Cream, everyone. His new record, Weight of the World, is really great. You can buy or stream it pretty much anywhere right now. That's the end of another episode of Bullseye. Bullseye is created from the homes of me and the staff of Maximum Fun in and around greater Los Angeles, California, where I was struggling with the issue of a too loud doorbell. My doorbell was too loud and I posted on social media, what can I do to make my doorbell less loud? How do I choose between all these other new doorbells when I replace my doorbell? And none other than comedy legend Andy Richter replied to me and said, hey dummy, just put some tape on the hammer that hits the bell in your doorbell and that will deaden the sound a little. Thank you, Andy Richter. This show produced by Speaking Into Microphones. Our senior producer is Kevin Ferguson. Our producer is Jesus Ambrosio. Production fellows at Maximum Fun are Richard Roby and Valerie Moffat. We get help from Casey O'Brien. Our interstitial music is by Dan Wally, also known as DJW. Our theme song is called Huddle Formation. It's recorded by the group The Go Team. Thanks to them and to their label Memphis Industries for sharing it. 
You can also keep up with the show on Twitter, Facebook, and YouTube. We post our interviews there. And I think that's about it. Just remember, all great radio hosts have a signature sign-off. Bullseye with Jesse Thorne is a production of MaximumFun.org and is distributed by NPR.